0: Ladies and gentlemen, this is Das Hobby, Germany's number one trading card show. And here are your hosts with the perfect podcast faces, Marcus and Dennis.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, it is Das Hobby time again, another international Uh, guest international podcast this week but first of course i'm gonna introduce my co-host marcus how how are you doing over there i'm good i'm good um yeah today again
2: uh, english episode once again sorry to our listeners and especially also sorry to, to our guest and of course also sorry dennis for my bad english but i try my best uh i try my best because uh, today's special, I try my best or um, I give everything
1: because we have the card father himself in our podcast. Yes, it is. It's long overdue, like uh, we're over 90 episodes in and now we finally have, have our wonderful guest here. It is Rob from Bourbon Sports Cards. Hello, sir.
0: Oh, to be number 93 feels so good.
1: Yeah, <laughs> isn't that beautiful? Wasn't that one of oh, the best yeah. Chicago it's Bulls difficult. championships ever in 93?
0: yeah <laughs> you know, um it's really good to be here. Thanks so much for having us on. Um, yeah, looking forward to telling a story and uh,
1: getting some of your takes as well. That's wonderful. So so um usually we we start with with one simple simple question to all of our guests. So how did you get into the hobby? what's your what's your story?
0: My origin story is quite humble actually. Um, started collecting cards around nineteen seventy four at the age of eight um, worked in a coin. I used to go, I collected coins and stamps as a kid. That was my big thing. And I'd go to a coin and stamp shop all the time. And the owner comes at me one day and says, how would you like to make some money? And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, $2 an allowance a week wasn't a whole lot. He asked if I wanted to deliver flyers and it was two cents a house and one cent a car. And so he'd give me a big stack of flyers. I'd go back to the house, fold them up get on my bike, and go to the biggest parking lots I could find and the biggest apartment complexes I could find and deliver flyers. And that worked out well, got some extra money. And then he asked if I wanted to work behind the counter. And this is around 1979. And, you know, I asked the parents. They said, that's great. It's the best education I could have ever gotten. And worked there for about 10 years. And then my father and I bought the business in 1989, and I ran it. I was 22 years old. Mm. So I'm kind of a lifer. have owned the business for 30, 40 years. Wow.
1: Crazy. That's crazy, incredible.
2: I, I check your website. So you, uh, because there was written the store for stamps and collectibles, I think. It was the first one, right? Is it right?
0: Yeah. We've had four locations. The first one, I kept the coins and I kept the stamps. And he had comic books. He was kind of a jack of all trades, master of none. And over the course of time, I eliminated everything but U.S. coins. And then in 1995, I finally gave that up as well to be strictly sports cards and to be the master of one. And we've scaled it up until this year now, and it's uh, it's worked out okay.
1: Crazy. Okay, okay. <laughs> the, the, give me the definition of okay, please.
0: <laughs> um, okay is... Um, we're doing okay. Uh, you know, it's... <laughs> It's it's, it's it's a great livelihood. It's a lot of fun. And my father's still with us, still nice. working.
1: Wonderful. He's
0: 81. He'll be 82 soon. He'll run circles around any of you, I assure you. Uh, he really enjoys it. And I have my son working with me now the last five, six, seven years, and he basically runs the business. So um, success is basically having the family involved, um, putting something together that my son can build on for decades to come and hopefully it continues you know down the path so um success really to me is being happy being able to have some sort of living and making a lot of people across the world happy by supplying sports cards
1: yes that's that's really wonderful story so three generations of of coins and cards and and comics and all of that that's that's really wonderful and and as you said like i think for for us over here in, in europe especially in germany um your store is like i think a lot of those guys know Burbank only because of of your store they they don't know what else is going on there so <laughs> do 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 you have a lot of like europeans do they say hi like i'm from europe i'm from germany whatever yeah
0: every week um we are a destination store i like to think we are kind of a bucket list store yeah um we're different there's no shop like ours um And we get people that will fly in. And before they go to the hotel, they come to our shop first. And this is from everywhere. Um, It floors me. We'll have a store full of like 25 to 40 people. I'll walk out there. And you can almost be assured that one is international, um, which is absolutely crazy. And, And it's exciting because they're bringing that excitement. They're telling me about the card scene where they're at. And I'm learning. I didn't know there was a big card scene in Guam. And someone from Guam set up at our show and had an amazing inventory. And it's like, I think that a lot of people would really be surprised just how vibrant the hobby is in different parts of the world that you might not have expected. Um, So and here we are, you know, on a German podcast that, you know, is quite successful and has quite the following. And, you know, we're hearing, you know, with Paris and with Germany and with England, you know, just how big these communities are
2: crazy yes. really. can you uh, for them that maybe not know your shop or that's not so much but for them you said there's no store like yours so can you a bit highlight or explain uh, what's in your store and uh, what's sure. make it so special
0: we've got 41 showcases um that are pretty amazing they rotate constantly um we got value boxes of slabs maybe about 15 of those that range from $3 to $45. We've got alphabetical singles, sections by player, and a dollar a card. Um, We have an amazing array of unopened product. Um, Our showcases are all set up in a way where it's really easy to figure out what's in each of them. There's signage on each of those. Um, The big thing with us that separates us, besides our inventory, um, is our liquidity, as our buying. And We have three buyers that are pretty much working on buying from customers all day long. Mm -hmm. You'll walk in the store as a seller. You'll put your name on a list. You might be 13th on the list, a half hour in. If you follow my Instagram, you'll kind of see we'll shoot videos and it could be 1145 on a Tuesday and there's 30 people in the store. And there might be 12 people that are looking to sell. Um, You can't walk into card shops and expect that owner or that staffing to be able to sit there and go through your things, put a number on it. We're a big believer in liquidity. And that's what's not, I think that that's a real issue in the industry. It's not talked about. Everyone talks about breaking and just selling things, but in a collectible two-way market, it's critical that we have people that can consume the cards back and not just do that, but process them and get them into a storefront in an organized manner where people will come in and be able to buy things. Um, One of the things that makes us really, really good is that we have new arrival showcases where literally things are bought, things are processed. We go on Instagram, we'll run a 60 second reel that shows off 50 to 60 fresh cards that are going into this showcase and you know exactly what showcase it is and it rotates constant. And that creates a stickiness with the customer that I think is kind of unique to our shop where you were in the shop yesterday but you saw these five reels that happened and you're like i need to go back um yeah i i want those cards and you had no plans on going back that following day but we've created this urgency um with our customers and that happens by being a buyer mm-hmm. and not enough shops do it so i think that's critical that's one of our biggest attributes well.
2: Yeah. This. Uh, yeah. I. I. I can agree. I see your Instagram. I think you are all day. You see every time when I see your stories, every time I have the the need to to be there because you see there's always action and you see the the people are happy and showing their cards and I like this atmosphere which you bring through Instagram. But in real life, it would be would be much greater. Yeah
1: it's very relatable yeah, it, you you guys are like it, it it feels like your doors are always open to yeah. everyone and everybody's welcome that it, it, it really it really comes across like uh, even even through social media it, and I think that's unique
0: it's community um there's too many grumpy dealers um yeah. I'm like dude you got the best job in the world um you're playing with sports cards um you just treat each customer the way you want to be treated you set your store up the way you'd want to walk into a shop um it there has to be a two-way it can't just be buy product market up percentage and sell it that can't be your only attribute especially in the day and age of fanatics that are coming in that want to be able to do everything across the spectrum Mm -hmm. you need to be really good at doing things that they can't or don't want to do Mm -hmm. and we have built this store to be card show proof ebay proof amazon proof local shop proof um and that's i believe our biggest competitive advantage most shops um compete heavily with other things we don't believe we have to um just because of the environment that we create and um that you know our success is dictated by us not someone else
2: mm-hmm. yeah yeah you also organize uh, trade nights in your in your shop right and then
0: you know the funny thing is you mentioned the trade nights and we did They got too big for the store. It's kind of scary just having that many people in the shop and that many people spilling into the parking lot. But I do have the biggest trade nights on the West Coast. They're part of our card show. Um, It's I just don't feel comfortable with that many people in the store. Uh, It just got our we did three or four of them and they were just crazy. And we decided that it's just not possible to do them anymore in the shop. Um, but there's three, there's three trade nights at our card show and we do two card shows a year. So basically we have six trade nights that are very large. Um, but we had to take those to the show, not in the shop.
1: And and what's the first card show you you guys did? We did one last
0: August, late August, and it was in Burbank, which Mm -hmm. I wanted. It's the Burbank card show. So we picked the biggest space and about a 25-mile circumference. And it happened to be in Burbank, right across from the Burbank Airport. So it was like this perfect location, five minutes from our shop. It's a big space, in my opinion, seeing it empty, touring it. I'm like, this is amazing. Um, It's a convention center right next to a great hotel. You literally walk off the plane, you take a five-minute walk, and you're at the hotel. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought it was going to be, you know, you're scared, you don't know who's showing up. Um, We had lines around the building the whole time. Uh, It was crazy. Fire marshal wasn't pleased. (laughs) I had no idea there'd be that kind of demand for it. I felt awful Mm. um, because people waited an hour and a half to get into this thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So um, we realized we needed a bigger boat. So um, we went um, looking around. The problem with car shows is you're very reliant on the convention centers. You can't pick your dates. They pick them for you. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they're booked for months and months out. The, the first show was booked eight months out. That was the earliest we could get it. Mm-hmm. And we just took the weekend. And so we're shopping around and nothing is available. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, but we put our names in to see if anything opens up. And it, one opened up in Ontario, which is a city that not a lot of people know. Even in Southern California, it's kind of an afterthought. Um, but I went and toured the facility at 70,000 feet. So that's a really big space for a second card show. And I was nervous. I'm like, "This we're not going to fill this. Mm -hmm. And um, lo and behold, uh, we filled it and then some. And people were saying it was the best show they've ever been to. Or the dealers were saying, we've never sold more cards than we did at this show. And it really made me feel good. Um, And then we kind of got in touch with bigger facilities, just kind of getting the lay of the land, the costs, the availabilities. And we reached to Anaheim. Mm-hmm. which was the home of the national back in the day and the biggest crowds. And we knew we weren't there yet to go there, but we were just curious and they told us the rates that nothing available. Then they get back to us. We have an opening. We need to know if you guys are interested. So, you know, cause it's going to go quick and we're looking at each other and we're like, are we ready to make that step way more expensive? Um, and we just said, you know, F it, we're going to do it. So we booked hundred thousand square feet there. And then it's a two story building and okay. it's new and beautiful. And then they said, Rob, the people down below backed out, um, need to know right away. You would have the whole building. And it's 200,000 feet. And I looked at my guys and said, no, I'm like, dude, I'm stressed over a hundred thousand feet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and they're like, Rob, dude, this opportunity. I'm like, dude, ah, I don't want to bite up more than we can chew. It's all been good. It's been organic. And and I'm like, I'm asking some different people. They're like, Rob, no matter how big you do it, it's going to fill. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I okayed it. And with my two partners, and it's going to be 200,000 square feet. Um, and it's Labor Day weekend, um, which you might not be familiar with there. But it's August 31st to September 3rd. Mm-hmm. Um, Disneyland there's a patio on the upper level that overlooks Disneyland. It's literally across the street. Mm-hmm. So we believe it's the best location um, that it can be in. We believe it's the nicest facility that a card show has ever been in, um, in the States anyways. And we believe that Southern California is the best market in the yeah. country. And I think it's yeah. close. So yeah. I think we have a lot of good drivers going on for the show. And I've got two partners, um, EJ and Jay that both run smaller shows in Southern California. So they know the nuts and bolts. Okay. I don't want to know. I don't care. <laughs> I just, I'm the brand. I'm the face. Um, and I have enough going on. So they do the heavy lifting. I kind of get the credit. So <laughs> I like that.
1: Wonderful. Uh, smart, smart, <laughs> smart man.
0: <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. My wife
1: will totally agree with that. <laughs> but it's it's interesting. Like in Germany, like we never had bigger shows since like one or two years ago. But the here, the people are not lo- looking for the con- convention centers. They look for more sophisticated areas. Like for example, there was one in a soccer stadium in the VIP area of a soccer stadium. They had a card show. There's one card show next week in at Hockenheimring at the Formula One course. So they take these kind of locations to get out of the classic convention center. Mm. Smart. Yeah,
0: Yeah, that's how you grow people. That's how you get these sports fans to become sports card collectors. Yeah. Mm. And that's critical. I think Fanatics is doing that in a big kind of way here. But yeah. by bringing the hobby somewhere where they might not know about the hobby. And it's it's a marketing thing for the industry. Yeah. So I think that's brilliant. I yeah. mean, when you do a card show, you're kind of preaching to the choir. When you do an event like that, you're preaching to um people that you hope to convert to the choir. Yeah. So I I think that's brilliant.
1: Yeah, because like in Germany, you have the the quote unquote problem that we don't have that history with trading cards, like the baseball, for example, it's not a big sport over here. This is so right. football soccer driven. The and and people were collecting stickers back in the day. See Panini printed a lot of sticker, sticker, stickers, and they collected this. So there's a lot more education going on over here
0: yeah and that's hard and i think we had the same problem back in 2020 mm. um very similar where there's a lot of people coming into the industry with very little education yeah. and the problem was they're being educated by people with ulterior motives and mm. whoever was screaming the loudest on instagram whoever had the most followers had a lot of sway mm. onto these people that Really didn't know the hobby, maybe collected when they were kids, but certainly didn't know the modern hobby. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's big that there's influencers out there that actually influence in a positive way, um, instead of just having you know, um, selfish motivations for it. Um, and it's good to hear that in Germany, it seems like the education that's taking place there is organic and real, and yeah. maybe not you know, the Gary V's of the world and these guys that jump in that really don't know anything, but know that they can manipulate their following. So I find that critical.
2: Mm. True. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Back also to, to your car show. And also in Germany, you, you, of course, you all know that you have every week somewhere, a a car show, of course, in Germany, the most of them know the national but as i told you now everyone see the burbank uh, it's it's beside the national i think the b- biggest card show uh, since last year so it's crazy um how, how great uh, you work uh, this 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 show
0: it's appreciated you know it's like people are calling us the west coast national and, and that doesn't interest me i just believe um that our show is kind of an extension of our brand mm-hmm. um and- to be something totally different um the national's been around 43 years it's a juggernaut it's amazing it's far more than just a card show um we like to keep the focus on the cards um mm-hmm. and the only reason i did it because again i've owned the business for 34 years and i never had any interest or inkling that i would ever be involved in a card show but during covid and as we we're getting out of covid the only real show going on in the country was in dallas mm-hmm. and i was Seeing all my customers get on a plane and rent hotels to go to Dallas, which has never really been a hobby hotspot. Um, it was just because Texas was open more mm-hmm. so than to the, the country during COVID. And I'm seeing $800 from each person evaporate from the industry. It all went to airlines and hotels. Yep, and I'm like, I'm in the biggest market in the country. And I'm like, why is everybody having to go elsewhere for a major card show? And so I talked to the guys that ran the smaller shows and I told them I'm interested in doing a show, but I don't want to do a show. And they understood that that meant I want to be I want to have a show that I don't have to do a lot of work with, but I'll provide you guys the brand and the platform and the ability to reach out to certain people in the industry that you can't. Um, And and that's where it came from. I never planned on being in Anaheim for the third card show. Um, which is ridiculous, but that speaks a lot to the fact of our location being in Southern California. These people are hungry, um, for these shows. And again, it's an extension of our brand that we really work hard to craft, um, that, um, we're very real and genuine and and do it for the hobby. And it's not about the money. Mm -hmm. Uh, most things I do really aren't, I'm not really motivated by it as much as most, I know that it'll come if you do the right thing. And that's the same with the card show. Um, And uh, it's. uh, Yeah, it means a lot when people have that kind of opinion, you know, of our store and of this card show that's really new um, and that we can compete with shows that have been around for a very long time. And that after two shows, we have that kind of reputation. So it means a lot.
1: Yeah that's that's nice. I and I I totally agree with you. I think people they, they have a certain kind of bullshit detector like when they meet somebody in person if this is a real person or not. They maybe don't have it on social media, but when they step into a room, they have it. Sure. And I think with with you um I, people people see the the realness of of, of the love for the it's, sports card. Yeah,
0: it's a passion. I mean, this is the only job i've ever had Mm -hmm. you know you get the keyboard warriors that just like to hate um you know and it's just i wish i knew who they were physically but i'll never know who they are physically (laughs) um but it's uh we don't have bad interactions here like ever you know it's Mm -hmm. just the vibe is right um and just you know we buy we sell we interact with people we're not just sitting down waiting for them to come to us um, we're just happy to be doing what we're doing. We're kind of blessed, you know. And I said that before. It's a blessing to do what you love. And if you can marry sports and finance and um, family, yes. uh, you're doing okay.
1: Amazing. That's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I write, like uh, us, uh, Marcos. Like uh, us.
2: I had the question: <laughs> what do you? What did you like most in the hobby? But you already answered this. Uh, that's really what. It's it's you said the, the the key points and the values which I also that's also the reason why I'm the hobby and we have a the card show next weekend and I'm looking forward of course because of the cards to talk with the people and have this great experience in in the card show as well so I like I like this
0: no. you know it's I have a lot of positivity if you follow me on Instagram you'll see a hashtag 2023 like every single time give me one second just gotta open the door one minute one second of course. <laughs> I to just grab what you want okay i'm back was yes. quick
1: <laughs> um, <everything's laughs> but yeah
0: fine. 2023 every single time it's you know the biggest year um we've had it's the best store traffic we've ever seen and people are like well the hobby's this and it's dipped and all these other things and i'm like the engagement here is absolutely amazing the amount of new people coming in And the excitement of fanatics and people have all kinds of different opinions about them basically buying the industry Mm -hmm. and whether it's healthy or not, whether them selling to the direct to the consumer is healthy, how it affects card shops. And me personally, I think it's the best thing that could have happened to the industry because it could have been some hedge fund that came in and and basically like Wall Street, just kind of sell it for parts and just be in it for the money. Um, they talk about 10 X, um, the customer base, which is bold. Um, I'm not sure if that's doable, but they've bought the business for 20 years. So, um, maybe it is, um, but their marketing muscle, their ability, like we talked about with your shows to turn sports fans into sports card collectors, um, is huge. Mm -hmm. And I think that's another point, um, of the growth of the hobby that's going to come. And we had Michael Rubin in the store, and I don't know if you were familiar what happened, where he was walking around. He was there for about 90 minutes. We were talking about the industry, the business, and we had a nice full store, a lot of kids. And he walks up to a girl, and she's going through but, Devin Booker cards.
1: Yes, I saw that. Wonderful. And, yeah, sorry. Um, sorry for interrupting. Yeah,
0: it's, it's amazing. And so he starts talking to her. Do you collect Devin Booker? She's like, it's my favorite player. Um and he gets on his phone and she's looking at him kind of curious like what's up she doesn't know who he is and he facetimes devin booker and he answers and they start talking and (sighs) he's giving him crap because the booker because the uh, sons beat the uh, his 76ers and all of a sudden he points the phone towards maddie and devin booker's talking to maddie and she's like 12 years old and there's just tears of joy streaming and she's telling him how big a fan and how her parents take them to the son's games and, and they talk for a little bit and it was such an amazing thing. And it was like a 60 second commercial yeah. that if we put all of our best minds to work in the industry, to come up with a 60 second spot, it wouldn't be as good as what we saw with that. And she ended up getting a Jersey sign. Then My- Michael flew her out to Phoenix with her family to meet David in person. <laughs> and I'm like, if this guy can just, create a memory just by whipping out his phone like that mm. um, and it was on espn it was mm. on sports center yep. and it was everywhere online and that just got me thinking i'm like this is absolutely amazing and this is the power of fanatics yeah. where they don't have to have a commercial on espn they can do something that ends up on espn and there's a big difference between them paying for it and it organically belonging there Mm -hmm. So um, to me, that's really exciting. And um, I I think the future is bright.
1: Yeah.
0: And whatever. And every time they create a new collector from a sports card fan, that impacts me because my job is to make sure once they're in the hobby, the Burbank brand gets in front of them and they create they make this a destination um, store when they're coming to Southern California. So um, that really works.
1: Yeah, I, I saw the video too. I, I also thought it's, it's just amazing. And uh, I think those moments where these these kids or whoever meets the athletes, like as a surprise, those are I, military homecomings and these things for me are always like my. Oh, I always, know. I was like, oh. I, had oh. A, I, I was yeah. there and I ain't yeah. going
0: to lie, there was some moistness up there. I, I thought it was absolutely amazing. And they talk about 10Xing the hobby and if that's to be possible a they bought the business for 20 years so there's going to be a three to five x anyways Mm. um just over that time span and the popularity of our hobby but the focus on kids that i'm hearing from their higher ups that's how you get it you get them young um you keep it away from the gambling aspect but you keep it in the collecting aspect um you get you 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 get mom on board which is the most important part of the equation she's the one that spends the 90 minutes when they go to the card shop she's the one that holds the purse strings and she's the one in the social environment that tells all of her friends that her son is really into this it's really healthy hmm. and then all of a sudden we have another generation that those kids grow up with something that they can pass on and um and they can enjoy it with their kids, um, but we got to do it the right way. And it's not by you know overinflated pricing and uh, influencers doing things that aren't in the hobby's best interest. But it's organic, and and that's critical. And I think fanatic is on on board with that in a big way. Nice,
2: great, good feeling when you have that uh, feeling. Then it feels much better than also for us here. Um, you, I, I mentioned before you or uh, I welcome you as a card father. I think, uh, can you give us a bit insight about how that name's name comes up um, to you?
0: It's kind of funny, actually. It was like 10, 12 years ago. Um, I'd be on message boards, which I have no time for at all anymore. And my handle was just the card father, you know, I thought it was just a great play on words. And yeah, um, And in in 2020, um, our store was shut down for 10 weeks, like everything else, you know, and uh, I, I didn't know that you could even post videos and put them on Instagram, just being an old Facebook guy. And I used to do seminars and travel the country and write columns for the biggest um, hobby publications, Mm. educational, you know, Um, and I saw there was very little education out there. There There's a lot of misinformation and kind of at my age, just kind of being in a, um, kind of, uh, kind of like a father to a lot of these people that were coming in that were in their twenties and thirties and just kind of brought back the card father thing. And it really became a thing and it really stuck. And I think it's just because of the advice, you know, that Mm. I give and hopefully it's positive and it's, you know, um, something that grows the hobby and, everybody just knows me as the card father now and i, I really enjoy it i think it's <laughs> it's a lot of fun um and uh it's just kind of neat it's like kind of it's not an alter ego per se but i think it's a sign of respect in a way that um it, it's not like i just called myself that without having the credentials to back it up and um you know hopefully you know um that name when you hear it you hear the burbank brand you think of about it positively and um, that, that I'm in here three hours before we open just to make sure that our experience here at the shop, you know, is worthy of the accolades that we seem to get.
1: But that, that's what a card father does. That's what a <laughs> card father does. So, so one, 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 one final question. So, what, what does the card father collect himself? What's your, what's your personal um, collection? Are you still? Oh yeah.
0: Um, okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Let's
2: Uh-oh. see here.
0: I think you can see. All right, this is bad. I'm going to admit. Um, tell me if you can see what we're looking at. Yeah, you see the name.
1: Big pole, yeah, Jake Paul. Yeah, Rusty. You Rusty. <laughs> out, yeah,
0: you start seeing the names out yeah. loud. <laughs> okay. This is this is my private collection. Sid Lecoq, okay, it, it's it's just <laughs> me being silly and basically still being a 12 year old at heart.
1: Okay, um, this is Big my felt. personal collection.
0: Yeah. And it's just funny. <laughs> and it never fails to make me laugh. And, and and I think that's it. It's not built on value. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and, if, when I, and when and if I ever retire, which is doubtful, or when and if I cut back the hours to less than 60 hours a week, I'd love to just collect. Mm-hmm. I'd love to create a bookshelf and have binders and complete sets, just build a 54 top set and just, enjoy the process of it um i'm a card dork and i love cards it's never gotten old and every single card we buy goes through me Mm. and people are floored by that but in order for this machine of our ebay store with over 2 million different listings and the organization organizational aspects of this shop that make it unique um i've got a supercomputer up here that i don't think can be replicated just from years of institutional knowledge of handling these cards time and time again. Um, And I really enjoy that. And I don't think I'll ever step away from this place unless the wife just completely puts her foot down. Um, Just because I like it. It's just something that's in my DNA. And so that's my silly little collection. But if ever really had the time, um, I would would build a hell of a collection and enjoy it. Not just build it for financial, but it, the stuff doesn't have to be PSA. It's, they can just be, sometimes the cards are actually more interest to me when they're beat up, mm-hmm. when they've been loved, they've been cherished, they've been played with, which is what they're supposed to be back in the day. Um, and I think sometimes that has more value than someone just putting it away, encapsulating it. I'm kind of like, if I still had my childhood collection from the 70s, I know what they would look like. Um, they wouldn't be mints. I was a kid. I played with them. So, um, you know, it's, I'm always that tuba player in the band that goes the wrong way when when they're out on the field. My opinions are usually 180 degrees different than what you're going to hear talking to most people. I was on a podcast, um, right before this Mm -hmm. and they're like, that's an interesting answer. Uh, that's an interesting answer. We don't usually hear that. Um, like, but then again, you've never been in a store like mine or done online business like me or have been around as long as I have. So you see things differently. And I, hopefully what I see is what the customer wants.
2: Mm, Great. Yeah. One, one, uh, because I see all the boxes behind you and uh, you told how much you have in your store. And I think you mentioned some parts already of that, but can you give uh, a tip how you could organize best your cards? Because when someone could tell this, it's, I think it's you (laughs) about this.
0: Yeah. um, And it's, it's years of fine tuning and eliminating steps because once you can eliminate a step that saves a lot of time and money The the, um, the short answer is okay. Okay. All right. So Marcus, you're coming you're in my store and you've got a carload of stuff, triple shoes, just God knows what. Um, so now I'm going to take those cards and I'm going to process them and I'm going to sell them to someone in Oklahoma. Uh-huh. But what happens? between what's what's going on behind the scenes. So the first things first, I believe that there's 13 steps to this and you can't eliminate any of them. And you're like, 13 steps, that's crazy. But they're all necessary for me to get that card to Oklahoma's mailbox. I got to break it by sport, correct? Mm -hmm. I have to break it within that sport to year. Mm -hmm. I have to break it down to brand. I need to break it down to subset. I have to put that subset in number order. I need to scan that card. I need to map the front image to a database. I have to map the back image to a database. I have to price it. I have to intersort that card into SOC. I need to price that card. I need to pull that card when ordered. I need to ship that card. And I need to provide any kind of customer service on the back end if necessary. Mm-hmm. So, for me buy your random card that you walk in with, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 14 steps if you include the customer service part of it.
1: Mm-hmm. That's
0: what. And you need to have the cleanest, most streamlined organizations. I built my e commerce operation, believe this or not, around my mother. When she was around, she worked with me. And back then, there was no internet, it wasn't even fax machines. It was I'm looking for this over the phone. They call Mm. and we built a physical infrastructure that it's so easy. Your mother can find it. And basically everything was color coded by sport. Everything in the store was like a physical database with the organization where someone would call up in 1997 and say, I'm looking for a baseball fireworks um, Garrett Anderson, number six, and nobody can answer that question over the phone. But we were able to because she knew exactly when the store, where 97 Baseball was, alphabetically where Pacific was, alphabetically where the firebox fireworks inserts were, and numerically where number six was.
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: being able to do that early on set the stage for us to be able to scale that when the Internet became a thing, when databases became a thing, um, and that everybody else was kind of disorganized and such. And they were at at a huge competitive disadvantage where we were able to get our inventory database and online much faster than everybody else built with with the physical infrastructure. We had a physical eBay store and we still do here to this day. Um, But organization is key and having those steps in place and those employees that I got guys that know how to scan that have no idea about anything else. But when they get the cards, they're organized in the right way where they can image those cards quickly. Mm. Um, got guys that pull cards that could not identify a card to save their lives. My guys that ID cards would have no idea how to ship them. Mm. Um, and that we, we, you, and we, you don't need to know all those things. You just need to be really good at what you do. Mm. And so we try to set people up in a way that they can succeed. And, um, otherwise, you know, it's, it's funny. Cause a lot of these young guys, their only ability is how to comp a card. Mm. Um, but if you put like a collection in front of them, their head would spin. They wouldn't know what to do. They can't go to <laughs> card ladder or alt or you know, look up a completed sale for 800 different things. Um, it's just something that's built around institutional knowledge and my team's ability to look at things because I've seen them over and over again across decades to ID things quickly and people talk about artificial intelligence and all these new apps changing things and they're nowhere close yet to the human brain that has processed these cards for years um they're trying they keep telling me they're there and I keep proving them wrong so we'll see they got a ways to go um we're dealing with one company super smart people you know they tell me that 94% of the cards they can identify and every time we do a test subject of thirty cards, it gets like ten right, and I'm like, <laughs> it just it's it's just not there yet. You just you can't replicate the knowledge of being doing this for a long time, yeah. and it's still a off. So technology is wonderful, but it doesn't solve all problems.
1: Ah, oh, that's that's a very smart end statement. <laughs> that's yeah. that's it. That's knowledge, guys. Thank you. <laughs> really thank <laughs> you so much a,
0: it was a pleasure and uh, hope to see you guys out in Burbank um, the card show whether it's this time around another time you're making your way to the states make sure you get to Southern California give you the complete tour um, and hopefully you'll have me back
1: yes thank you so much sir. we really appreciate it and good good luck to to you guys over there thank you to your father thank you to you thank you to your son
2: and your mother yeah.
1: For making for making the the hobby a little bit more real and and kind and and nice and authentic. So, and
0: thank yeah. you and thanks to both of you for spreading that gospel across the world. And it takes people like yourselves that are fully committed for it to become a truly global um, hobby. And I think we've made huge strides. And I think the growth of the hobby will come from countries like Germany um, and such that are small in scale to the united states but have a lot of room to turn a lot of people into sports card collectors
1: yes perfect thank Thank you you so much later guys all right enjoy the sun
2: bye -bye. (laughs) Bye -bye. Um, bye